Hey, Kairos. I come with full hands. <laughs> Let me put all my hammer and Bible down. Okay. I'm so glad to be with you guys tonight. I have a I have two sons, Scout and Skylar. Scout is um, my nine-year-old, and when we come, we usually sit up there, and we love to come and be a part of what God is doing here. In fact, the last time that we were here, he leaned over to me, and he said, I can say this to you. And I was like, oh, okay. And he said, Kairos is fun. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I don't know why that was a secret, but glad to hear it. So I am married to Daryl and um, Daryl and I are on staff together and, and we love serving here. I am the girls minister and I've been here. This will be my last time speaking at Cairo, so. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's awkward. Um, hang on just a second. I can't do that. <laughs> All right. Let's try that again. So. Um, no, um, so I'm the girls minister and, um, and won't be asked back to Kairos again, but I <laughs> love, love, love um, what I get to do with um, girls on our, in our church. And um, I've been here for 19 years, and that has never happened to me before, so that's a first. But it is an adventure getting to disciple teenage girls um, every week. There's an adventure. I know Morgan's in here, and she has co-led with me. And, um, and so the most entertaining things that you, would, you, just you wouldn't be able to plan for it at all. And so the last time that I taught my life group um, two weeks ago, this happened, okay? They had been taking TCAP tests, and so these middle school girls were like bonkers. And they were not wanting to open up the Bible. Like I tried everything, all of my little tricks where I wrote a word up on the board to get their attention. They were just done. And so they started talking about scary movies, and I thought, um, I don't really like scary movies. I started listening. I knew what passage we were supposed to be in, but they did not care. So I thought, how do I get us here? So I listened, and then it just, the Lord was gracious, and I thought, okay, I see what we're doing here. And so I said, do you guys, do you guys know the one about the guy that died, and then he came back to life? And they were like... And I was like, yeah. And the friends that he used to hang out with, they were freaked out. And they were all in this room and it was locked. The doors were locked. And they're all like, oh my gosh. One girl goes, I think I know that one. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And then the guy who was dead, who came back to life, boom, he shows up in the room, the locked room. He's there. And they're like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, and this is, this is crazy. You want this? And they're like, yeah. I go, it's real. Open your Bibles to John 20, 19. And they were like, man, that, we didn't see that coming. I was like, 
really? You didn't see Jesus coming in your life group? You just didn't see that at all? So it's just a roller coaster with them, but we were so excited about that moment. Um, you know, I was thinking about that moment because I was really proud of it. And then I also was thinking, that's how I am a lot of the time. I don't often see Jesus coming. And sometimes I want him to be in a moment. And I think, good grief, where is God in this moment? When is he going to show up? So sometimes I'm like, where are you? And I can't help but think that's where Naomi is. And we enter into scene one of Ruth. And the narrator says in chapter one, during the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. So he's wanting us to know something about the judges. And if you look in the book of Judges, you'll see that this was a time where there was no king in Israel. Yes, God was ruling, but they wanted, they wanted an earthly king, right? And so they were doing, hold on. They were doing everything that they wanted to do that was right in their eyes. They weren't doing anything that God was wanting them to do. Judges 17, 6 says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. God was king, but they were trying to get on the throne, right? So we have the opening. We have a man. He's nameless at this time. It's kind of interesting. A nameless man. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife, his two sons, to stay in the territory of Moab. Moab... Psalm 68 says, Moab is God's wash basin. The message says it a little bit differently, of course, right? Moab's a scrub bucket. I mop the floor with Moab. Okay, I think we know what God thinks about Moab, right? They were the ancient enemies of Israel. They shouldn't be there. But they left the promised land and they went to the garbage can. It's interesting. So I started thinking as I was reading this, we have a lot of information about Naomi's name that she went and wanted to change her name to Mara, to Bitter. And I started wondering, I wonder what else there is about the names in here. So I'm going to try to do this with a microphone, but we'll see how this goes. So I went ahead and thought, if, if Naomi had a Pinterest gallery wall that um, maybe it would look a little something like this. I drew these too, so if you want them, I'll, I'll sell them on Etsy later. <laughs> There's a Limelech. And a Limelech's name, very interestingly, is my God is king. So we start at the beginning our narrator tells us there was no king, but we have a Limelech's name, which reminds us, God is king. My God is king. Then we have Naomi. And Naomi's name means pleasant, pleasantness until, of course, she changes it to bitter. 
And then this one, it's kind of interesting. Um, Killian, I feel like this is kind of like a spoiler alert. Um, Killian's name means failing or wasting away, right? So, yikes. I think we kind of know what happens to him. Um, he must have had, he must have had a great personality for Orpa to marry. I'm sorry, is that bad? <laughs> There's Orpa. And then the same thing with our friend Malin, who appears to have left, oh no, there he is. Malin, his name means sickly. I'm not making this up. Like, it happens, okay? So, <laughs> Ruth and Orpah really didn't pay attention to the names, right? <laughs> and there's Ruth. Orpah, there wasn't really anything there as much. I'm not gonna, hers meant, like, fawn or um, I also saw neck. So, I just, you know... Um, but I'll, we'll reveal what Ruth's name is in just a second. So you can kind of see some interesting things happening here. And as, um, and as it's going on, I started thinking about um, just the way that Naomi responded. So I'm not going to put these up there because it's getting a little bit hard to do. But um, Naomi had a whole bunch of things that were taken from her, right? Elimelech dies Killian, dead. Malin, dead. And she thinks that her daughter-in-laws are going to leave her as well. One does turn back. But we know that Ruth didn't. She poured herself out, right? She, she gave up everything and clung. It says she clung to Naomi. And not just Naomi, but she clung to Naomi's God. That's powerful, and so what does Ruth's name mean? It means friend. That's amazing to me, that in the midst of everything being taken away, God left her a friend. Now, she doesn't see that at the time. In fact, what, what does she say? She says, the Lord has opposed me. She says, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. She says, the Almighty has afflicted me. She says, the Almighty has made me bitter. We'll see how this goes. Things are going so well. I get why Naomi was doing that. I get why she took her grief and she threw it at God. I get it. Because here's the thing, when you have things taken from you, Elimelech, Malin, Killian, 
her future, her ability to survive. She She was in pieces. She was in pieces. And she couldn't carry anything. She was empty. So, yeah, she threw her pieces at God. Here's the thing that's powerful. She didn't abandon him. She didn't abandon God. She just cast him in the wrong part of the story. He wasn't the antagonist. He's the hero. He was the protagonist. She's the agonist. She's caught in the middle. But he was at work. She couldn't see that. But she did throw her pieces at him. She blamed him. But she would soon see her God was at work. When you go to the very end of the book of Ruth. Yeah, I'm cheating a little bit. Spoiler alert, right? I couldn't help but when I read it in, I don't know if Ruth is on the same pages on your Bible, but I read through all of this as I was preparing. And the very last word says, and Jesse fathered David. Who's David? He's the king, right? He's also the messianic line for Jesus. So you go to the very beginning, and you have Elimelech, my God is king, which the narrator is reminding us who Elimelech is at the very beginning. And then you go to the very end of it, and we've got a reminder that God is king. God has bookended this whole story. God is king over the broken pieces. So if you're angry, if you're mad, it's okay. Just don't disconnect him from your story. He is God of our broken pieces. He's God over the full and empty moments of our life. What does that look like for us? I know um, when I was preparing for, um, for this, I was thinking of um, the moment when the pieces broke for me. Because we all probably can think of moments when we felt like that, right? When we've thought, I don't know what to do with this, God. Where are you? For me, it was two weeks after I had gotten married and I was working camp and I got a phone call. I'm sorry, my husband got a phone call and he came to the door of the Bible study that I was leading and we were supposed to all be going out to the rec field and all of a sudden someone was taking the students that I was supposed to have, and my husband was standing there. And my best friend from my wedding, I didn't know that she was at camp that week, and I thought, something's wrong. And in that moment, they said, your dad is in a coma. And I remember just, I I just fell to my knees. I didn't know what to do. That whole summer, I wish I could say I bounced back, but I I didn't. I, I kept going through that every week, it felt like a repeat. So I didn't deal with the pieces. And then I went to seminary. And as we were in seminary, this became a textbook. 
I wasn't reading this to be with him. I was reading it to get a grade. I hadn't talked to him in so long. I didn't know what to say. And then I did. And I was alone in our apartment. And I just yelled, God, I hate you. It just came out. It's the first prayer I had prayed in so long. And I remember that that was when the healing started. He can handle that. It didn't offend him. He wanted my pieces. He wanted the broken pieces. And that was when I felt his spirit just in my heart say, finally, I can do something with that. He is my protagonist. I learned that then. So now I can preach that to myself in the next broken pieces moment. I can preach that to my friends. I can be a Ruth to somebody that has just been handed broken pieces. I can trust, even if I don't understand it, that he's good, that he's for me, that he's going to be king. He is king of my broken pieces and my full and empty moments. So as we end this time, I don't know where you are. I know that many of us have walked in here and it's, it's really hard to see broken pieces because we can't see people's hearts. So we don't know where we are when we walk in here. But it's so important for us to have a moment where we can trust our hearts to him and make sure that we're believing and preaching that to ourselves that God is king and he loves us and we can trust our broken pieces to him. So I'm going to have you say these words with me. I'm going to say a a phrase and then I want you to say it back. There may be somebody sitting next to you that needs to hear these words or maybe you that needs to speak these words. So say this with me. I am sure of this. I trust that God is for me. I trust God with the broken pieces. He is king of my full and empty moments. As it is our habit, we want to be a place that preaches the Bible clearly and gives each of us some soul space to respond. And so, in light of what we've heard, I want to invite you to listen into the words of your Father, your Good Shepherd, who speaks to you. A couple questions just to guide our time and to guide our listening to the Lord is where are the, the, police, the pieces and the places in your life that feel too broken? the broken pieces that feel unusable or unredeemable, just feels like a pile on the floor that you can't see a use for. 
Maybe it's a past or a relationship or lost dreams or lost expectations, wrong decisions. Where are those places in your life that the Lord, they're not too far gone for him? And then is there anything in your life that might actually need to be broken? That might actually need to be shattered so the Lord can make something far more beautiful? Some of us have been holding on to the wrong things. And our clinging to them is not what the Lord wants. So what if he actually wants to break some of the things that aren't for our good and make something far better from them. Let's take a few minutes together to take a deep breath with the Lord, to listen in and maybe have the courage to offer him all of those broken pieces. Let's listen in together.